So welcome, everyone, and Happy New Year. Uh, the Dr. Bill Telephone Series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with children with visual impairments. The topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help us better understand pediatric eye conditions. And today's uh, topic is how to identify a child's visual strengths and weaknesses. Well, thank you very much, Karen, and Happy New Year to you and to all the listeners out there. Well, today we're going to talk about how do you determine what is your child's visual strengths and weaknesses. And this is something that parents are able to do once they have a better understanding of the visual skills. And it really simply involves observation. If you are a careful observer of your child's behaviors and how your child reacts to different types of responses, you could then determine what are those visual strengths and weaknesses of a child. One of the reasons that this is very important to determine what are your child's visual strengths and weaknesses is so that you can promote the development of the visual centers of the brain. When we see children who have vision impairment, there are many times that these children don't really have any desire to use their vision at all. They are perfectly content if you simply carry them, or they might just want to lie down, or they might cry until you pick them up and you rock them. And once they're in that comfortable position, they are so happy and that they don't necessarily even need anything else. Now, the problem with that situation is that if a child only wants to be carried, the child not, is not necessarily learning to see. Or you'll see that there's some kids who simply prefer to lie down in the crib and they keep their eyes closed and they never look at things. And as each day goes on that the child is not looking at colors and patterns and stripes, the centers of the brain do not fully develop. In the early 1970s, there was a Nobel Prize-winning study by Drs. Hubel and Weisel. And what they did is they took perfectly healthy kittens and they raised them in different environments. It was their theory that a kitten needs visual stimulation in order to vision to develop. So with one group of kittens, they raised them in a normal environment. There were colors, there were toys, there were patterns, there were people, all of these things for the baby kittens to look at. And for the other group of kittens, they actually sewed their eyelids shut. So for these kittens, there was no way for these kittens to be able to see anything. And weeks later, they then measured the vision of both groups of kittens. What they found was that the kittens who were raised in a normal environment, they all had vision. But the kittens who had their eyes sutured shut, when they unsutured their eyes and opened their eyes, they found that those kittens were blind. 
so that matched their hypothesis that kittens, they do need to see objects in order for vision to develop. Well, the next thing that they said is, let's see what happens if we take these blind kittens and if we then show them a whole bunch of colors and lights and patterns and pictures, can we improve their vision? In other words, is it possible to develop those cells in the brain even after a child or a kitten is born? So they did implement the vision stimulation and they did find that those kittens who were once totally blind were able to develop vision after they prevented that type of visual stimulation. Now this research is very, very important to remember today. The reason for that is today the leading cause of vision impairment that we see among children today is called cortical or neurological vision impairment. And what this condition is, it is when the eyes are healthy, but the brain cells did not develop. And the brain cells for vision did not develop, but this is something that we can develop just in the same way that the vision of the kittens did develop. So the first step in the vision stimulation is we need to find out what types of things that your child is able to see better? What are your child's visual strengths? Now, the first thing is that we take a look at how your child reacts, first of all, to your face. We know that newborn children often will look at the faces of people and things that are usually at a distance of 8 to 16 inches away that are black and white are the most visually stimulating. So if you place your face 8 to 16 inches away from your child, you want to find out, does your child make eye contact? Does your child look at you? Does your child smile when you're there? When we see a child who has cortical vision impairment, it's very interesting because most all children with cortical vision impairment do not look at your face. And for many parents, when they are with their child and they notice that their child does not make eye contact, they often think that their child is totally blind. But in fact, Most of these kids do have cortical vision impairment and their central vision or their ability to look at faces is one of their weak points. And because it is one of their weak points, we then want to test other types of visual skills to find out what is stronger. In other words, if your child does like to look at your face, you know that faces at a distance of 8 to 16 inches is one of your child's visual strengths. So you should put your face in front of your child's face as often as possible. However, if your child does not look at your face, such as kids with cortical vision impairment, 
we do not recommend that you keep putting your face in front of your child. And the reason for that is that your face is not interesting to the child with cortical vision impairment. Number two, we then want to find out how does the child respond to black and white patterns? Now, you can make different types of black and white patterns by simply getting a paintbrush. It could be a flat paintbrush that's about an inch wide, and you could paint patterns with black ink. This particular type of pattern doesn't have to be anything special. It could be a line. It could be a wiggly line. It could be a square. Make another one with a triangle. And if you paint these on, like, cardboard, these things last a lot longer. Well, you want to then go ahead and find out, does your child like black and white patterns? And if you hold it at a distance of 8 to 16 inches, you can get an idea if your child responds to it. You might move it slightly off-center, and you may then notice that your child will move his or her head to look at it. Once your child looks at it, quickly move it to another location and see if your child will then look at that. We often find that there are many children who prefer to look at black and white patterns much more than faces. You could then change the distance. Is it something that your child is able to see it better at 8 inches? Or does your child like it better when it's at 16 inches? But those are the distances that children with low vision are able to see best at when they're very young. Number three, does your child like primary colors? Now, when a child is about three months of age, the cells in the eye that see color begin to develop. Now, we see that there are some kids who really, really get excited when they're looking at colors. So we would want you to draw those same types of patterns, and maybe you're going to use red, and then you're going to do blue maybe a fluorescent green. But if you use just some of these primary colors and you make the same types of patterns, you want to find out if your child is more interested in these particular types of colors. So, for example, a lot of children who have cortical vision impairment, they will not look at your face, and that makes you very sad but you may use red, and we find that when we use red patterns and red toys, a lot of kids with cortical vision impairment suddenly become very excited, and they then begin to look. And that's a very good sign because it tells us this is the color we want to use as we begin to do the visual stimulation. Okay, so, so far... We've determined if the child likes faces, number two, black and white, number three, primary colors. The next one, number four, would be, does this child see things better if they are moving objects versus non-moving objects? 
thus far, everything that we've shown the child is really just right in front of them at 8 to 16 inches. But now we're going to use the same things, but we're going to move them. So you could put your face at 8 inches, and you're going to quickly move your head from side to side, kind of like you're dancing or turning your head side to side. You could then get those black and white patterns, and instead of just holding them in front of the child, move them side to side, up and down. Use of primary colored patterns and shake them and move them. And what you may find is that your child may be able to see moving objects much better than non-moving objects. And what we see is that, again, with children with the cortical vision impairment, we often find that they will see things much better if it's moving. So if your child is able to see things that are moving, we could keep all of this in mind. And we're going to use toys and other things around the house that may be red, and we're going to move it so that your child could see that any time that you're playing with your child. The next step is to see, does your child see things better when it's in the central vision, meaning straight ahead of the eyes, or if we slightly put them off to the side a little bit? And this side vision is called peripheral vision. So what you may do is get some of these patterns that you have, and instead of putting it right in front of the child's eyes, where your child's eyes are looking, put them a little bit off to the side, maybe by like 45 degrees, and then move them. You may then find that your child will turn her eyes to look at the pattern or turn his head to look at the pattern. And then you move it to another field of gaze, so that's in the child's peripheral vision. And as you move it, the child sees it again in the peripheral vision. And then the child tries to move his eyes to look at it with a central vision. Kids with cortical vision impairment generally will see things better when we present things in the peripheral field of vision using black and white or red and white and things that are moving. Now, once we determine whether a child sees things best when it's straight ahead and whatever color that we decided or if it's going to be faces, we now could go into using things that are a little bit fancier to get a better idea of the child's visual attention. And one of the toys that we use is called a striped drum. You might have seen a lot of your therapists and teachers for the visually impaired use them, and you've seen us use them in some of the eye exams. But what we do is we use a cylinder, and these cylinders are usually the Quaker Oats cylinder containers. And these are the containers that have the Quaker oats that you make your oatmeal in for breakfast. Well, what we do is we empty out that container, and what we do is we cover it with white paper, and then we get tape, black tape, 
and we put stripes. So it'll be black and white and black and white. The next thing that we do is that we get a lot of people will do it with a roller that you use to roll dough in your kitchen, or other people will just get a metal rod at the hardware store. And you poke a hole in the top and the bottom of that cylinder, and you put a nut on the top and the bottom, and now you could spin it. And when this drum spins, this is at a speed where that rotation is really very, very interesting for many, many children. So you could then hold this drum in different directions and at different distances, and you could find out what field in the peripheral vision is most beneficial for the child. For some kids, they see things much better if it's in their upper field Other kids, it's better in their lower field. Others, it's on the bottom right. Others, it's on the bottom left. Wherever it may be, you could find out then what is the child's visual strength in that visual field. And this is the location that we're going to then begin to place a lot of these toys. Now, all these types of bits of information we talked about right now This is very easy to do, but it's actually very, very important. And let me give you an example. There was a child that was referred to our office, and the child had a brain injury. There was a hemorrhage in the brain. And the mom and dad were very, very sad because they thought that their child was blind. They said, you know, my baby never looks at me. I look at my baby's eyes when I'm carrying her, and she never looks at me. She actually looks away from me. She turns her eyes away from me because she doesn't even want to look at me. And so, anyways, we did this type of an assessment, and what we actually found was that this baby does not have peripheral vision on the right side with either eye. But the visual strength was that this baby could see things on the left visual field. So we explained to mom, you know, one of the reasons that your baby doesn't make eye contact with you right now is because your baby has better side vision and the central vision isn't very good yet. But this is something that we think we could develop. And the mom was a little bit, you know, excited and happier about that. And then I said, can you show me how you carry your baby? And so the mom, she holds the baby, and the baby's head was under her left arm, mom's left arm. And so mom would turn her head to her left, to look at her baby's face and she very softly rocks the baby and I said that's wonderful how you're holding your baby but I want to tell you why your baby's not looking at you is because the right visual field is where your child cannot see 
And when you hold your baby this way, your body and your face is in the blind visual field for your baby. So your baby is only able to see things that are out in the environment away from you. And this is why your baby moves her head to the left because she could see what's out there. And I said, let's try something here. I want you to turn the baby around so now that your baby's head is carried by your right arm. And in this way, your face and your body will be on the baby's left side. And this is what the baby is able to see best is on the left side. So we turned the baby around and the baby looked right at her eyes. She could not believe it. The father couldn't believe it. They were just so happy. And it was something in which they were never told how to evaluate what a child is able to see. The way they positioned this child was wrong. And so we went ahead and we demonstrated all these different types of activities that they could do to encourage their child to look. And everything that this child did during this child's life, it did involve the vision. This baby, because this baby did have a neurological, like a cortical vision impairment, we did find that this baby did like red. So we got red things for this baby. The sheets and the pillowcases, things over there on the crib, they made them red and white stripes. It was very stimulating for the baby to look at. We asked them to hang a mobile over the crib. These are one of these mobiles and that you wind it up and the little patterns would rotate and they put red stickers on there. You know, little red hearts. We then showed them how to hold things at the correct distance so that when they were going to show the baby a different toy, like this Mickey Mouse puppet thing they had, we showed them how to hold it at 8 to 16 inches. And even when the baby was going to sit in the high chair at the dinner table, we made certain that mom and dad were on the baby's left side. Because before that time, mom and dad were on the baby's right side. The plates, the bottles, everything that the child used, it was now of high contrast. We had red and white checkerboard plates on the bottle that the baby would drink milk from. They used red electrical tape and striped a spiral around it. The placemats that they found, it had colored patterns on there. So basically everything that this child had, it now was visually stimulating. This child couldn't get away from visual stimulation because everything around this child was now high contrast, high colored. And because we knew the child could see these colors, this was what was going to stimulate the regions of the brain. Well, we saw the baby six months later, 
and the baby looked completely different. This little girl was now using her central vision, and we talked to them over the phone as she was making progress, and we had them begin to introduce other colors. And now, six months later, she was looking at all colors. She was now starting to reach for the spinning Quaker Oats drum. All of these things were developing. So this is where we could determine what types of visual strengths that the child has just from using your face, black and white, colors, moving objects, put it in the center or the periphery, spinning it. And we also can evaluate, is your child's visual strength when it's in a real bright environment, such as playing outdoors in the morning, where you have the very nice bright sun, or is it better when we're in a dim room? We could use different types of lights that have a dimmer switch, and that's a way that you could dim the room. There's a lot of kids that see much better if it's in a dimmer room, whereas other kids would do best in the direct sunlight. Another thing is you also want to find out does your child see objects better if there's nothing at all that's distracting in the background? Let's say, for example, that you're playing with your child and then you've got grandma and grandma and baby brother and brothers and sisters. Everybody's around the crib watching to see if this little newborn baby is going to look at this red and white toy. Well, if there's too many people's faces in the background looking at the baby, sometimes that's distracting. And you tell everybody to go away. And if they all go away, you may then notice that the child could use his or her vision much better. That is what we call a figure ground perception. Meaning that if it's too crowded in the background, it gives the baby a headache. It's just too much. They can't see all that stuff. So we want to remove maybe if there's a bunch of posters on the wall or other types of decorations that babies' rooms are decorated with, sometimes it's better that we remove those types of things. So all in all, I want you to do these very, very basic things when you're with your child to determine what is your child's visual strength. Is it faces or other objects? Is it stripes or is it going to be black and white, color, moving, in the central vision, the peripheral vision, spinning with an empty background in a bright, bright sunlight or in a dimmer room? And when you identify which visual skill is the strongest, you begin there. And then we expand the activities with time. So, if any of you ever have any questions about this as you're working with your child or with one of your students, uh, please feel free. You could call me or you could email me. My email address is drbillfoundation. That's D-R-B-I-L-L -L foundation at gmail.com 
or you could call me at 310-597-2549. So at this time, uh, does anybody out there have any questions? If you have any questions, you could just go ahead and shout out your name. Are there any questions? Okay. Well, I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Dick Burden from Airs L.A., and this podcast will be on the website of both the Braille Institute at www.brailleinstitute.org and also at Airs L.A. at www.airsla.org. So I'd also like to thank Karen Nutt for putting these lectures together, and we look forward to seeing all of you next month when we talk about cortical vision impairment. Good night, everybody.